this is Kazesha Hanna. Today I will be interviewing a CPS teacher, uh, Ms. Keneally. She's an English teacher at George Washington House College Prep. Um, today we will be going to the depth of her experience as a teacher and something she does at the school. Thank you for joining me today, Ms. Keneally. I am so delighted to, Stracia. So can you tell me what you do here at the school? Sure. I teach English as my main job to freshmen and to juniors. Um, to juniors, I teach AP Literature, and to freshmen, regular English. Um, I also sponsor our school's GSA, the Rainbow Circle. Now, so going to depth about the Rainbow Circle, you're one of the sponsors of it. Um, can you tell me, like, how did it get started? Because I was introduced to the Rainbow Circle in freshman year. Um, but how did it really get started? What, you know, inspired you to sponsor it or, you know, get it moving? Sure. So I'm lucky to be one of, what do we have this year, like six sponsors, mm -hmm. which is kind of amazing. We get to offer the Rainbow Circle twice a week after school because of just how many adults in the building want to support queer and questioning students. And um, I came in um, to Westinghouse and to the Rainbow Circle just about four years ago. And before that, Mr. Johnson, one of our social studies teachers, had been running the Rainbow Circle for uh, about seven years. And he started the Rainbow Circle because when he arrived at Westinghouse, he didn't love the culture or climate um, for LGBT students and thought, hmm, if I were a queer student coming to this school, I'm not sure I would feel supported by my peers. And um, from what he's told me, um, he also has um, close family connections with LGBT people and really wanted to make sure he was a part of making a safe space for us here at Westinghouse. So I think that's what led him to found the club. And um, for a while he told me, you know, there'd be like three or four students who'd pop by, they'd mm -hmm. meet maybe once a month. Now, you know, yeah. um, we're sitting down the hall from a classroom full of maybe 15 to 20 students who come twice a week, a loud, rowdy bunch, really excitable. Um, and so that speaks, I think, to just what a sea change there's been in our school community. Um, now, you yourself personally, um, you're part of the LGBTQ, as I know. Yep. Um, how do you think the climate of the school for you and other LGBTQ students have changed? Sure. Um, well, like I said, this is my fifth year here, and so um, I can only speak to the last few years. But I know that since I started working here, um, I believe when I started working here, I was the only openly queer teacher or staff member. And now we've got a whole cohort of people who are visibly queer or who are very open um, with their students about their gender identities or their sexualities. And so that's just such a gift and a blessing to have colleagues who um, share parts of my experience, who share parts of our students' experience. You know, students should never have to um, feel like they need a relationship with just one teacher to be um, to have their identities reflected back to them. So that's been one major change is that there are many more queer teachers than there were just a couple of years ago. Um, there are also many more queer students. Mm -hmm. I mean, this freshman class is filled with kids who embrace their identity, who are open about it, and um, who frankly don't feel like there, there's anything 
um, as previous generations have thought anything shameful or secretive or um, not to be celebrated about who they are. And so I'm hoping that there can be a kind of like trickle up effect that this bright, vibrant group of freshmen who embrace their identities can um, help show some of the older students to be unafraid and unapologetic in who they are. That's interesting. I can really relate to that on a lot of different levels. Um, but I'm going to switch the topic a bit to your career um, as a teacher. Um, so you're an English teacher. Um, in college, did you, you know, took a English major or anything like that? I did. I was an English major in college. I started off majoring in philosophy, then history, and finally ended up in English. Um, and I found that, I, I mean, I'd always loved reading books, but I found that writing about what I read, making sense of literature on my own terms, was actually much more empowering and liberating than I thought it could be or than I was taught it could be in high school. And so that's what led me down this path. Um, now, you chose being a teacher, uh, an English teacher. Did you ever think of becoming, you know, a movie director or writer or anything mm. more out there? You know, I was one of those kids who, like, if, if you asked me, what do you want to be when you grow up, from week to week you'd get wildly different answers. <laughs> I wanted to be the first female player on the Chicago Cubs. I thought I was going to, like, you know, integrate that baseball team in terms of the genders represented, soccer player, architect. Um, but I think teacher and writer were two professions that sort of beckoned to me. Um, but I didn't figure out I wanted to be a teacher until the very end of college, really. So um, it was something I'd always considered that didn't speak to me until I had to had to make a choice, you know. Um, why did it speak to you at the end of college? Like, what told you be a teacher? That's a great question. I think um, I had some teachers in college, you know, to go back to your question about the climate for queer students. I had, for the first time, queer professors in college mm -hmm. who I identified closely with, who mentored me, who supported me, who, uh, you know, got me jobs house-sitting and dog-sitting and connected me to their communities. And I realized how empowering it was to be mentored by a person who looked like me, who had similar experiences to me, who shared identities with me. And so thanks to that mentorship, I was able to reflect and think about, hmm, I, I could offer that potentially to students too. Um, I love reading. I love writing. I feel empowered by those practices. I could make students feel empowered by those practices too. And... Um, maybe offer up sort of like a mirror to them. Um, one of my favorite poets, Adrian Rich, says that um, when you walk into a classroom and you don't read anything by people who look like you or write anything that relates to your life, it's the effect, she says, and I'm paraphrasing, mm -hmm. as if someone like held a mirror up to you and you weren't there. And I find that to be a really haunting experience that a lot of students have in school mm -hmm. of walking into classrooms and thinking none of this applies to me really none of it and so I'd like to think that I find ways of offering that to students um, as the track team runs by <laughs> you'll have to edit them out yeah <laughs> um that's an interesting response so I love that you became a teacher for the inspiration of other 
kids that are like you yeah. and are different. I love that. What are some of the challenges that you faced as a teacher here? At Westinghouse in particular? Yes. Um, I would say before I came to teach at Westinghouse, I taught at um, independent or private schools. And so the biggest shock to my system was the class sizes in CPS. To have 30 or 35 students in a room in five classes a day means I've got 150 papers to grade at the end of a week. Mm -hmm. um, and so class sizes were a real shock and a real change. Um, but I think I've gotten used to them since and, um, you know, I'm always hoping that, that we can be a part of a system that's a little more humane and feels less like factory schooling. Yeah. Um, but in the meantime, I try to connect with students individually and um, cultivate even just relationships in passing um, so that they feel like there's uh, a little more personal touch when they walk into the room yeah. instead of just being herded into their seat and uh, made to go to work. So this question is going to piggyback off of the question I just asked you. Sure. Um, but what are some things that could change around the school that would make your job a lot easier? Ooh. Oof. Where to begin? Hmm. You know, I've been really... I've been really excited to teach students in AP Lit, in part because they are a really motivated bunch. Um, they're really hardworking. Um, their motivation is internal. And in this, like, post-pandemic or still mid-pandemic moment, I'm finding that a lot of students are, you know, in a state of really low motivation. Mm -hmm. And... I am in a state of really low motivation um, because we're all just so fatigued. There's a lot going on in the world around us. And the pandemic, I think, gave us permission to acknowledge that there is a lot going on in the world around us. We don't just need to put our noses down and do our work. We can have feelings and experiences that are overwhelming, and we can acknowledge those. And so I guess I wish that, on the one hand, uh, we could be more attuned to students' social-emotional needs have more opportunities in the day to check in with them, to just sit down and have a conversation. And sometimes the rigidity of the schedule just doesn't allow that. And at the same time, I hope we can someday find ourselves in a place where every student who walks through my door is feeling the same way those AP Lit kids are feeling, which is like confident, competent, curious, motivated, ready to rock. Um, it's like a select, it's a, it's a select group because it's such a difficult experience, I think, for many people to be feeling right now. Um, school is hard, life is hard, and I wish sometimes that we as a school, that we as a district could make um, life a little easier for students and their families from time to time. Um, I appreciate that you as a teacher can see the, you know, inside a student's life, inside your own lives, and, you know, advocate and sympathize with students. Um, my last question for you is, do you consider teaching or any form of teaching such as college professor, you know, daycare, whatever, mm -hmm. do you consider it a job or career and why? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And even, you know, I'm, um, I'm going to be a parent this summer. And I even think about parenting as a job. Any work with a child, whether you're paid or not, is a vocation, is a calling. Um, as a teacher, 
you are being trusted with every family's most precious thing <laughs> and that is an immense responsibility and an immense challenge and also immense motivation and inspiration to do right by that kid and to do right by that family. So that is absolutely true of daycare workers, of stay-at-home parents, of college professors, of coaches, um, you know, members of church communities who, who mentor young people. That is like, that's a calling and a career, I think, of, of the highest caliber. Now, um, do you have any closing remarks, any statements, anything you want to tell us um, about your job, about, you know, anything like that? I don't think about my job, but I would love to just praise and commend you, Shadrisha, for doing such a nice job with this. <laughs> Thank you. So prepared, um, so ready to sit down in such a mature way with this tape recorder between us. Thanks for doing such a great job. schools have to have a opening space for all diverse kids um, from the disabled to LGBTQ from students who are foreign to all students in general join us next week as we speak with mr. Baker George Westinghouse college prep vice principal his first year taking charge at the school we will discuss how he became a vice principal at a high school. We will discuss controversial issues within our school. And we will discuss how his views on young people and taking a stand. Join us next week on Getting Down to Business. themselves and still be connected to others is the big question. Well, that's where we get back into uh, the music that you played to to open uh, yeah. the interview. Uh, it used to be the Irish warring against uh, the Italians in, on the west side. Then it was the uh, Italians perhaps warring against the Latins on, on 18th Street. Now, although it doesn't have, uh, it doesn't have the, the violent aspects, uh, 
of the of the old street gangs, the the Hamburgs and and so forth. You do have that same kind of paranoia uh, in these neighborhoods about uh, integration. And I think it's easy for people who live on Lakeshore Drive and and in the suburbs to pontificate on it. But a lot of these people. We know both blacks and whites are victimized uh, by other groups when a neighborhood begins to change, and both neither group can really stand the economic loss of property values fluctuating. And I think it's more, uh, it's as much an economic issue as it is the kind of uh, bigotry that you see on All in the Family. I, uh, it may be less a, a racial issue than an economic issue. Uh, when a, somebody has to face the loss of uh, who, who is barely making payments on his home now, who decides for one reason or another it's a better idea to sell, who has to find another home that he can afford, which he probably can't, uh, it makes people uneasy. That was the circle discussion with Pat Thompson on her background and her TV reporting career. You can find this interview on the WFMT Studs Turkle's radio archive. I'd like to thank Ms. Keneally for sitting down and having this interview with me. Thank you and have a good day.